Views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Look, man, we missed this train. I'm going to chicken you and just hire Charles Schultz. Oh, my God. Who are you, Larry Flint? What are you going to do with all those? Read the articles. What do you think I'm going to do with them? They're stroke books, stupid. She got like 30 books in there. We're only going to be gone for two days. Right, he's a spice of life. I like a wide selection. Sometimes I'm in the mood for nasty close-ups. Sometimes I like a Marty and airbrush. Sometimes it's a spread brown eye kind of night. Sometimes it's girl on girl time. Sometimes a steamy literal dude. We got our tickets. I got a call. Listen, his master's voice. Put that stuff away. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, June 9th, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. Where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color. Color into black and white. Under the bedclothes. Everything will be alright. And welcome to our show once again today where our theme will be... The anti-pornographers and the gender debate. 519-661-3600 is a number you can always call to reach us on open line or email us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Well, Robert, I, I'm sure it's an issue that's sure to arouse. <laughs> Passions, interests, and controversy. And, you know, it's an issue I've been following ever since really the mid-1980s when I first addressed the Fraser Committee on Pornography and Prostitution as an opponent of censorship at the time. And I guess I en that ended up being for sexual freedom in a way, but I never thought about it that way. And just prior to that, as editor and writer for a newspaper called the London Metro Bulletin, I had uh, an interesting experience that most people wouldn't have of spending a day with the then Ontario Censor Board Chairman, Mary Brown. I don't know if you remember her who surprised me. I remember at the time when she told me that she was totally opposed to the message of the then-current anti-porn flick called Not a Love Story. I don't know if you recall that one either. And uh, she found that documentary fraudulent and misrepresentative. And I'm thinking, well, that's a weird thing for the Ontario Center. I don't know if you recall that one either. And uh, she found that documentary fraudulent and misrepresentative. And I'm thinking, well, that's a weird thing for the Ontario Censor Board chairman to say, who's censoring that kind of stuff, you know? And, of course, I'd also written a review for a publication called Censorship Alert. I don't, you remember that one? Yes, I do. On the supposedly anti-porn book called Ordeal, and it was written by Linda Lovelace. I believe I've already discussed this on Just Right in great detail. It might be on the first or second show, actually, where I brought it up. And um, so my interest, at least, <laughs> was aroused when this week I find out that London has been host to an anti-pornography conference. Is this going to be a show of puns, Bob? Oh, it sure is. You have no idea how many <laughs> puns that the whole sexual genre t lends itself to. It's amazing. In fact, that's part of the theme, is the concern of, I guess, the anti-pornographers of how much the imagery of pornography has permeated... Penetrated, um, perhaps? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Society itself, okay? Uh-huh. And uh, it's really funny because um, this week London's been host to what they call an anti-pornography conference titled Pornography, Its Impact on Feminism, Men, Women, and Children. Now, 
after you and I decided to do this show, Robert, remember, actually, you called me about the topic before I even know that knew the conference was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ended up staying up late on Monday night, and I watched a whole bunch of documentaries I had in the in our library, video library, uh, commentaries on the porn issue, mostly anti-porn, including the CBC's Passionate Eye, Give Me Your Soul. I don't know if you've seen that. Another documentary that aired on the Life Channel called Felicity's Journey. Um, a city TV broadcast called uh, Fluffy Comes a Lot. I didn't name it, but that's what it's called. And very, it, was, it was actually one of the better ones. And, and some independent ones, like A History of Hardcore, which was a 2007 documentary. Also, These are all aired on TV. And The Girl Next Door, which starred uh, porn star Stacey Valentine following her career. And after all of that, and I thought we would get into the whole issue of porn. I wanted to understand what the arguments were, especially with the conference in town, right? But when I hear, heard what the people at the conference were saying, they weren't really addressing anything that I was seeing in these movies or, or the kinds of issues that were being brought up in these movies. And even in the worst case, I have to tell you, um, worst case scenario in, in the sense of how these movies tried to paint their anti-porn image, I never saw any, what you could call in any case, non-consensual situations. You know, it just didn't come up. It was all about attitudes, and usually when you get an anti-porn movie, I notice you get this really sullen music playing through the background, and they usually pick someone who's very unsure of themselves, someone who's not sure they even want to be in the industry or something like that, which is what happened in Not a Love Story, too. Geez, you could pick any industry and find it malcontent. Absolutely. So, you know, what I... What I originally thought would be a show about pornography has evolved into a show about the anti-pornography phenomenon, which is an unusual thing in this day and age, if you think about it, given some of the arguments that I heard from the porn co- anti-porn conference. I was really hoping to hear something new, and I really didn't. And so today we'll be taking a broad look at the anti-porn position, such as it's being presented, and I think both from a serious and also a somewhat irreverent point of view, shall we say. If 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 you're if people are uncomfortable about sexual issues, you might not like this episode of Just Right, because we're going to be having to talk about the issue. Yeah, but you have freedom of choice here. Yeah. Change the channel. Well, I first found out about the whole thing when I saw a June 4th London Free Press commentary by Joe Belanger headed, headlined, quote, We need to pursue the truth about pornography, end quote. And he writes, and I found a lot of this very contradictory and ambiguous. I don't know. Tell me if if this makes sense to you, Robert. He writes that on the internet, he has read that the books written by Gail Dines and Robert Jensen, who were two of the people that appear at the conference, uh, have been panned by some critics because their writings seem driven more by emotion than by facts. I don't know. I haven't read their books, and I don't care. Really? Yeah. Right there. It stopped me. I go, okay, he doesn't care. What I do care about, he writes right away, is is people forming healthy opinions about pornography rather than just grasping onto it and accepting it and participating or enjoying it without regard for the truth about its source and its impact on people and society. Well, then why wouldn't you care about these two people's writings? You know, doesn't does that make sense to you? Perhaps he's saying that it's irrelevant to the uh, to the issue, I, I, whether I, or not the the, the I had a tough time facts or emotions. Right. And by the way, this is the only thing I've seen in the free press about this. There was more coverage on the radio and on television, mm-hmm. and that's interesting. At least I haven't seen today's paper yet, so it might be different today. But he writes, as a journalist, I find it repugnant how some people in our society feel it is their right to shame, attack, and try to marginalize those who don't follow the same moral compass, who try to impose and legislate their morality on the rest of society. 
And I think he's talking about the conference and Megan Walker, one of the participants, but it's not that clear. And he says, having said that, I feel it's equally important to pursue all points of view before drawing any conclusions because I know those same people I despise for declaring the moral high ground also have information I need to fully understand an issue. Well, I think I understand what he's saying there, and I feel the same way. I listen to the opponent. I have to listen to what they're saying, even if I disagree with them. Of course. I don't know if despise is the word I'd use, but now, this is interesting. He writes... Pornography is one of those issues where I find great discomfort. I mean, that's because it's about sex, right? I don't view all pornography as bad. I view it as an aid and an enhancement to intimacy for adults, individuals, and couples alike. At the same time, however, I'm aware that some elements of the porn industry prey on abused and vulnerable women to produce the most despicable, heinous images and movies imaginable. I just can't bring myself to paint the entire industry with the same brush since I believe there are men and women who can and do choose careers in pornography to make a living, just as I believe women also find pleasure in porn. What does have me worried is the Internet and the prevalence of pornography, end quote. And I, you know, it's almost like saying, you know, <laughs> food is good, but we have too much food around, right? Like, he, what, you're looking very stunned. You're not getting that message, eh? Did it make well, sense no, to you? I, yeah, it, it sort of makes sense, but I think he's moralizing as, as much as the people he says that he despises, in a sense. That's a good observation. Um, but what is he actually saying? He's, well, he's, he's saying, saying that some porn is good and some porn is bad. So what does he want to do with the bad porn? Do the yeah. same thing that the conference people are trying I to guess, do? I guess. In which case, he's just as bad as they are. Not everybody's tastes are the same. Now, you know... He, he talks about getting more information on the issue of porn and violence. I think as far as that issue goes, it's, it's just like the drug issue, the pot issue, LSD, other continuously prohibited contraband. Pornography has been studied to death, Robert. It's been studied to death. It's not a new phenomenon. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every objective study conducted on the subject has confirmed there's no causal, causal relationship between the production or consumption of erotica and the behavior of any specific individual. They even said it at the conference if they can't determine a direct cause cause and effect okay what they're doing is drawing complete associations of things they see in society and because porn exists or whatever and it's not about porn it's about their i think it's completely an anti-male bias and we will be hearing about that i would agree there and there's parallels to be drawn as well well, between that and violence and say for example video games mm mm-hmm no correlation, no causality provable, and yet you get people out there saying we should ban particular games or violent depictions in movies because they they seem to think that maybe it causes something when it, when in fact it does not, of course. Right, and and, and you know, so every every study has said this. I mean, and when Nixon used to do the studies, President Nixon he he refused to publish them. That was all there was to it because it contradicted Republican uh, policy at the time, but. You know, I would argue that to accept this line of thinking actually encourages personal irresponsibility. Uh, you know, perpetrators of crimes and violence can then use these arguments for their legal defense. Well, well, Your Honor, I was, you know, the devil made me do it. I was reading this magazine and it made me do it. And, and to attach responsibility to an object, and it is an object, right, <laughs> cannot be done. You can only attach responsibilities to behaviors. And I see this in our justice system from top to bottom, not just in this issue. 
And of course, you've got millions upon millions of porn consumers and those in the industry itself have experiences that belie and contradict the claims made by the anti-porn crusaders, which end up being the anti-sex crusaders. So, um, you know, it's an interesting issue. And then when you look at the people who are organizing it, and I think it's important to understand where these messages are coming from. Megan Walker has a reputation locally, let's face it. Um, she's made our city a little bit of an embarrassment in the eyes of some communities on these issues. Uh, since I started doing this show, I remember the first show I did, she was in the middle of a protest against UWO's spoof edition of the Gazette <laughs> because there's some disparaging remark. I can't even remember what it was. Um, but it was an on-campus issue. Recently, she opposed the, what was called the slut walk. Remember that? Mm -hmm. uh, and that was an event organized by other feminists, interestingly enough, in an effort to demonstrate that, well, even sluts are entitled to protection from violence and coercion under the law. Right? That was the point. With their consensual behavior being irrelevant or, you know, to any complicity in being responsible for a sex attack on them, right? Like what they do in their past life consensually has nothing to do with a coercive act. Uh, but Ms. Walker chose to be offended by the word slut and to derail the whole message of the organizers. And there have been subsequent slut walks since the London one. London was one of the first. Very recently one was uh, a couple in the States I heard about, and one was I think in the past week or so held in Hamilton, where its promoters said they were trying to create a consensual society. I found that's interesting, because that's our mission, isn't it? I think, I think we're going about it the wrong it way, It is, Robert. but you know something? I don't think I'd want to participate in a slut no, walk. No, I wouldn't. Sorry. Be, I, I had my criticisms of it, but that's not the point today. You know, no. like, uh, we talked about this on the show earlier, too. But, um, you know, we, we prefer the CHRW method, method, you know, using reason and argument and critical persuasion. <laughs> but maybe we should be on the streets every now and then. I don't know. <laughs> And then there's, of course, uh, the sex show that has been held at the Western Fair for just a couple of years now. It started in 08, I think. And, and organizers of this event found, discovered Megan Walker really quickly from the October 5th, 2008 London Free Press written by J Jane Sims. Quote, body painting artist Anya Kohinsky says she's never had to cover up parts of her models until she came to London. This weekend, she met the nipple police. <laughs> You know, nipples and violence, right, Robert? Yeah. At her Archangel body painting booth, part of the Everything to Do with Sex show at the Western Fairgrounds, the models wore nipple covers, even though, quote, a woman has the right to go topless if she chooses to do so in Ontario. Hmm, women's rights, interesting. I've still been waiting for that to happen, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but look who's, look who's opposed to it. Look who clamps down, the moral crusader of the community. Uh, the, what the, the irony here is that these women, how are they supposed to be made to feel when somebody of their same gender actually comes to them and says, you are doing something immoral, you have to cover up, they're going to feel shamed, they're going to feel objectified, they're going to feel less um, confident of themselves and oh, what they're doing. Robert, 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 Robert um, I'm going to skip ahead right now because of what you just said. This didn't happen in London, but here's this happened in Waterloo. Team rap for Racy Photo, London Free Press, eight, April 16. Uh, quote, the entire University of Waterloo Formula SAE team has been suspended after photos appeared online of a young woman wearing only a bikini and high heels standing beside the race car. The woman in the photo was a student. The shoot happened March 16. The team was suspended March 29. Quote, one of the bitter ironies of the present situation is that the photo shoot was intended to promote women. 
It was part of an entry into a calendar competition to promote the university women with a combination of beauty and intelligence, with some of the proceeds directed to the Canadian Cancer Society, the team's faculty advisor, Dr. Steve Lambert, said in a statement. While on the one hand, it's a very powerful and positive message that this student felt comfortable enough in our team environment to celebrate her femininity in such a fashion, they failed to fully appreciate the ease with which these photos could be taken out of context. Oh, dear. Isn't that something? That, and that means they failed to notice that there were people like Megan Walker running around. <laughs> right? That's all it meant. Yeah. And deciding not to fight the decision, and I'm thinking wimps, okay, quote, we will instead use this time as an opportunity to develop ourselves as engineers, individuals, teammates, and leaders with the express goal of uh, you know, emerging from this stronger and wiser than before uh, the statement began. Before the scandal, scandal, a scandal, a woman in a bikini, yeah. uh, the team had been building and racing cars for 23 years consecutive years. What is this, 1911? I tell you, what's the lesson learned? Don't hire or associate with women, or if you're a woman, uh, don't act like a man. But, you know, you can't act like a man because men are evil. I don't know how, how they, what kind of message they're going to get. These anti-pornographers are taking the femininity out of It's uh, not females. about pornography. And, and, and it came across in so many things that they said. Um, let's take a break now, and when we come back, we will continue the conversation. What we're going to hear... Next is A-Channel's uh, coverage just over this past couple days of the porn conference that was occurring in London. And on the other side of the bumper, what you will hear is the voices of the parents of, uh, of a porn star. And her name is Stacy Valentine, and it's a stepfather and the mother from the documentary The Girl Next Door. Now, they're supposedly talking about their attitudes towards their daughter doing porn. But the conversation gets rather interesting, perhaps like one that you may have heard around the supper table many a time, or many married people certainly have heard. We'll continue right after this. It may seem unrealistic, but could it be possible to abolish pornography? That's what the London Abused Women's Centre wants to do. And it's not just taking aim at triple X movies. With more, I'm joined now by Priya Man. Priya, what's going on here? Dan, the notion that porn objectifies women and influences gender roles and our society as a whole, that isn't new. But the fact that pornography has found its way into mainstream pop culture is having consequences on sexual violence that cannot be ignored. And now some are proposing to get rid of it altogether. We know that sex sells, whether it's in a music video or an ad. But this type of overt, easily accessible material is reaching larger audiences, influencing how we view sex and our role in it at a much younger age. Those days of softcore pin-up porn are gone. Today, when an average boy types porn into Google, he comes up with body-punishing, cruel, debasing, dehumanizing sex. And it's become standard fare on almost any channel. Today, soft porn is no longer relegated to adult shops. It's shifted from the back room to the mainstream. When we see the primary stories of the culture increasingly sell selling one central message, which is that women are basically objectified bodies for male sexual pleasure, that's going to have an effect. It's this trend that sparked a sold-out two-day anti-porn conference hosted by the London Abused Women's Centre. They want porn to be abolished entirely. While the direct link between watching pornography and sexual violence is debatable, crisis workers here say they've seen a troubling increase in the severity of sexual violence. A lot more torture involved, a lot more violence involved in the sexual uh, assaults against them. 
and many of them do identify that pornography is part of uh, what their partners watch. It may seem unrealistic to think that sex can be taken out of the equation, but they say similar initiatives worked in Norway and that at the heart of the issue is awareness. Rather than asking a simplistic question, does pornography cause rape in some simple fashion, we want to ask how does pornography help construct a culture in which we deal with epidemic levels of sexual violence. Now, this is one of the first anti-porn conferences to be held in London, and it's really to get people to start thinking about what it is they're consuming and how it's affecting their view of women and sex. Yeah. All right, so thank you, Priya. The worst thing that she's doing is having sex. How bad is sex? We have sex. Well, we used to. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if people would stop I mean, and think, how bad? Sex is what makes the world go around. How mis much mistreatment is there in having sex? Well, it depends on what yeah, see, type you get into. I yeah. mean, there's there's this leather straps and spikes and. I don't know if she does that. See, <laughs> she, we haven't ever seen her movies, so. But I, I wouldn't. Know, I don't want to. I don't want to until she says, "Sonny, you I don't see this movie." I, but you know, I don't watch them. I wouldn't want you to Never see it. They like incest. She's happy. What she? Well, doing. most people like sex. I used to. These movies are not making love. They're not making love. What? They're just. It's just sex. Mm -hmm. It's just well, we raw don't. sex. Because they don't love each other. They don't go home with each other. They don't sleep. They don't go home and sleep together. It's not love. Well, do you know what? When you see a movie where they're killing it's, it's each other, they're not money. really killing each other either. But that doesn't mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you don't have to really kill each other to make a movie. Men are the ones that are H-O-R-N-Y. Oh, okay, good. Well, women get horny too, dear. <laughs> don't, don't, well, you may not, but women get horny too. Well, okay. if you, you, the, the men are always the bastards in your case. I don't think so. Yes, you do. That's, no, you that's, always did. <laughs> it's just the nature of humans. Right, is honey, the man there, is the okay, aggressor. The there's there's is, female and there's male. They both get horny. I think men are more. Okay. Then. I think women... How do you feel about that? <laughs> what a conversation. That was hilarious, Bob. <laughs> I was wondering where that would end. I, I, would, I could listen to them for another hour. I don't know where that would end it up, but they didn't do that. Her viewpoint but, was interesting where she basically said that men were the bastards and the aggressors all the time. Well, that's interesting. there was obviously some kind of tension going on there, and it has nothing to do with porn, but it's it's that same sexual tension that generally exists between many women, and I th or many couples, I mean. But... If, if you know, listening to it, I thought, gee, they were re reflecting a lot of the same attitudes promoted by the anti-porn fo folks in a way. The husband was, they, they were sitting there, they were kind of, you know, very pleasant folks, middle class, very ordinary looking folks, seemed very easy to get along with. They obviously had a, had a, you know, a vibration going there. But, uh, you know, the, the husband would joke and say, well, he used to have sex, you know, he used to enjoy it. <laughs> and then the wife accuses all men of being H-O-R-N-Y, as if that has some kind of moral consequence to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then the hu husband accuses her of thinking all men are this way, and yes, you do, you always did. She says men are aggressive. Well, isn't that largely what's going on at these conferences? Isn't that the debate? You know, it's a gender debate, hornier than thou. <laughs> who's, who's worse, men or women, as if being sexually aroused is an evil thing in and of itself? 
and yet you'll hear ads about Viagra and, you know, make sure that you're potent. And all. I hear these ads all day long on the radio. What is that all for? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, oh, yeah. And, and then, in, of course, the, um, the news coverage, too. They were talking about porn and mainstream pop culture has consequences on sexual be- violence that cannot be ignored. And they're proposing it to get rid of it altogether because, of course, they've done it in Norway. <laughs> We should rush and all do what they do in Norway, right? That's a good example. Um, when they say that body punishing, cruel, debasing, dehumanizing sex, I can hardly say it, has become standard fare for every channel on TV, is that a bit of an exaggeration? A slight exaggeration, I'd say, yeah. And, and by the way, the images that they were showing on the screen while they were talking about all these horrible things, women in bikinis. Just like that poor lady at the at University of Waterloo. That's the that's the porn that's driving us all crazy. Although they talk about it, and they talk about torture and violence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Dr. Gail Dines was on with Andy Utman on CJBK last uh, Tuesday. I listened to her. She was one of the participants at the conference, and her argument and concerns, as she said them on in her interview, were she's concerned about a pornofying of our culture, meaning course a reference to sexuality which is there our culture is sexual she says it gives men permission to misbehave now i don't know if she's talking about the men in the porn or the men watching it if it's the men in the porn who are misbehaving then what are the women doing aren't they misbehaving no (laughs) they're objects oh yes they're just objects right but it's not about the men in the porn it's about the men in relationships with women porn or no but it's porn's fault. <laughs> you see, just like we've been hearing. Um, and then, you know what came up in the conversation next? Then she starts citing how feminists are organizing in France against Strauss-Kahn, mm-hmm. and feminists in England are organizing and protesting against a Playboy club being set up there. Now, I've done a show on the Playboy philosophy and Playboy magazine. You can get it online, www.justrightmedia.org. And you'll discover that Playboy has done more for women's rights than probably all the modern feminists combined. The magazine's philosophy is based on consent. And we devoted, like, that whole entire episode to it. So there's an irony there. And then they started talking about morally condemning Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was the next thing that came up. And Anthony Weiner. He came up next. This is all in an anti-porn conference. Because obviously they're both men, right? Women don't, you know, they they don't mess around on their husbands. That doesn't happen. But porn made them do it. And then she argues that men are, quote, going after weaker, vulnerable women and points to increased rates of rapes on college and university campuses. As, you know, is there a line between these two? Oh, by the way, they've defi- redefined what rape is now. Apparently one in five people or 20% of the population undergo some f- form of rape, and uh, which, of course, is outrageous. Yeah. Of course, now rape probably means just looking at somebody or ogling them now you've been raped. Well, and then they're debasing a crime like that. They're making it more common to think that, oh, I've been raped. That's part of the danger of this whole movement, actually. And, and you know, she says if you if you Google quote porn online, you you'll get the most violent abuse of porn possible, not the gentle pretty girl photography and Playboy and penthouse. Okay, well, why should which even bother to make that distinction? Because you know that this, when she did that i'm going okay that's not her real agenda because she just talked about organizing feminists in england against playboy magazine you know the nice gentle pretty girl photography well which is it you know and 
some, in one sentence, she uses that as a positive virtue compared to today's porn. And in the next sentence, she says, well, yeah, but we're against that too. In fact, that's the thing they stress, that they're not just going after triple X. They're going after everything, everything. That sort of begs the question, what kind of erotica would they consider to be allowed? Robert, if you ask that question, their conference would fall apart. A hundred years ago, it was considered to be pornographic to show a woman's ankles mm -hmm. or her neck. Come a long way. Well, <laughs> and then I heard the goals. They want to approach pornography as a public health issue. Where have we heard that before? They want to, ironically, rape the taxpayer for another yeah, socialist I experiment. Just say, I smell money coming Yeah, here. social engineering, trying to take the sex out of gender relations. That's what they're doing. They want some kind of legislation. I didn't get the clear clarity of it. Allowing people to sue pornographers in the private courts. Sounded like something Andrea Dworkin suggested back in the 70s and 80s. And they want to stop the porn culture, uh, which is the name of a group founded by Dr. Gail Dines. And in a newscast I heard last week, I heard Megan Walker say very clearly that she wanted to see all pornography banned in all its forms. And that she's not just talking about pornography. She's talking about, you know, again... Car ads. Car ads, things like that. You know, remember the Chrysler Dodge Jeep ad? Uh, you know you're not the first, but do you really care? That was the ad. I thought it was really cute. A lot of people thought it was excellent. It was part of a great ad campaign, and she cut it off. Um, you know, and, and then what does Dale Werfel do? He issues a public apology and pays money to a women's group. Proof positive, men aren't aggressors, they're wimps. You know, they always do stuff like that. Men are more of the, uh, you know, rescue the girl and that kind of... That's not necessarily a good thing, too, but they're not more violent. And she was opposed to the Hot Babes on Hot bike Bikes article that appeared in London Magazine one time. Um, again, because... What did it say? It said... Um, oh, she hated the article. She said it was disgusting. What a, she said they had an article that said... Uh, what is your favorite underwear to see a girl in? And people on the street answered it. And she wrote that this article is appalling and an insult to women. You know, signed by Megan Walker and Kate Wiggins. And this has been going on for years. So somehow they've, they've managed to take over the sexual agenda of London, Ontario. It's bizarre. She's it, only one person and her views are completely... Uh, uh, out yeah, of whack with the rest of society. And, 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 you know, it comes back to what are they after? The same age old thing, censorship and power and all the rest of it. And money. Yep. We're at the bottom of the hour now. We're going to have to take a break, and we're going to go back almost half a century. It's hard to believe. I'm looking at the number here. I'm going, is that right? 1968, February 5th. Remember Rowan and Martin's laughing? I loved Rowan and Martin's It was laughing. great. Well, here is their... It's actually their third show only, and they were doing a salute to censorship, and here's a bit of that. And we'll be back on the other side. Tonight, laugh in salute censorship. Yes, folks, it's salute time. <laughs> Each week is our policy to speak up for people and causes who are all too often misunderstood. And tonight, we proudly salute censorship. Goody! Censors are a <laughs> bunch of guys. <laughs> What would we ever do without censorship? How would we model through without censorship? We would be exposed to every literary nut. We would be the victims of obscenity and smut. How would we read a book without censorship? How could we see a TV show or play? We hate the naughty movie cult for treating us like we're adults. Cause we love
Kids, do you realize what life would be without the brave little band of censors? These dedicated few who protect you from naughty words, shield you from suggestive pictures, and guard you from the sight of the human body. Do you have even the slightest idea how they are constantly on the alert to ward off vulgarity, stamp out smut, and most of all, rid the world of sex and all that filth. As an unmarried good girl, I say all hail ye old censor. Hail to the society to which he has dedicated himself. This lonesome man, armed with but a tattered book of rules. A red pencil worn to the nub with his own moral fiber. Without support of court or government, he stands alone in the crosswalk of life, directing you, me, and good people everywhere, regardless of race, creed, or publisher. To heaven, lest by, by our own sins we fall into heck. Yes, hail to ye old censor. Hail, and hail to the stork which brought him. Hey, man, I don't want my kids hearing all them dirty words in the movies. Get enough of that at home. We're safe on radio and television. Now let's get busy on word of mouth. Let's clean up those honeymoons. Come on, kids. Hey, let's get sex education out of schools and put it back where it belongs. In the pool halls. You don't have to talk dirty to have a good time. You can peek in people's windows and listen in on party lines. What you don't know won't hurt you. And if it does hurt you, at least you won't know it. That's right, folks. Censorship is your friend. Join the crusade. The next time someone says sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can never hurt us, set them straight. Hit them with a stick or a stone. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, if you're familiar with that show, you'll be familiar with this one. Uh, it's on the idiot box once a day now. Baywatch. Yeah, Baywatch. Uh, Twin Peaks, whatever you're calling it. Yeah, two favorite stars of that show have got to be Pamela Anderson. <laughs> you know, she reminds me of old Pamela. She reminds me of the, uh, Scarecrow from The Wizard of Oz. Because every show, it's the same thing with this woman. She's always falling out of her top, you know. I'm losing my stuff and I'm losing my stuff and... I swear to God, any show now, I just expect her to break in a song. Here, back me up. <laughs> Clap, damn ya! Oh, my breasts are round and perky. My thoughts are few and murky. And thinking is a strain. <laughs> Oh, I'd be a real actress and not just the human mattress if I only had a brain. Oh, I couldn't tell you why the ocean meets the shore when I talk. I'm such a bore, and that's why I'm Hasselhoff's whore. If I was more than a pretty face, I'd be on Melrose Place instead of doing corn. I'm not asking to do Shakespeare, and at least I'm getting paid here, and it sure beats doing porn. Bang. 
Yeah, and that was uh, Ron Vaudry doing his bit on Baywatch, a show I've never actually seen, you know, ever. Never saw a single episode. <laughs> Trouble in London City, what starts with pea and it rhymes with corn. Uh, I don't know. But, uh, you know, what's funny. According to the standards of our anti-pornographers today, she is doing porn. Pamela yeah. Anderson. It's no different than the other stuff they're trying to go after. And porn is our topic today. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. 519-661-3600, a number to call. <coughs> Robert, I thought, as we go before we go into our concluding part, I just thought we'd review a few principles or clarifications about the issue of consent and sexual issues in general. <coughs> You know, what I'm seeing very strongly in these conferences is a failure or maybe a refusal to distinguish between consensual and non-consensual behavior. And I, whenever I see that, it doesn't matter where it is, I always see it as evidence of an agenda that's something different than what they're saying. And this is an agenda that's intent on prohibiting or regulating consensual behavior through the government. And that's the very kind of thinking that led to the persecution of gays, lesbians, sex workers, and consumers of erotica, who, by the way, are for the most part on the other side of the issue. You've got all the sex workers lining up with lawyers like Alan Young, who we talked about last week, you know, and talking about getting their rights. But uh, remember we talked about Barbara Kay, whose opinions we didn't agree with on this particular yes. issue. And let's coercion and violence, and that's a... Su- Robert, we've got to do that show. We've got to do a show on just the subject of violence and its causes. But they're defined by whether or not a situation is consensual. Uh, We used to use that phrase, to those who consent, no injustice is done, Mm -hmm. right? And that came from a Latin maxim used in uh, the courts, especially when there was a a problem with, say, two boxers getting in the ring and one of them got injured. How much responsibility was there on the other? Still an issue in sports today. And, of course, morality itself is a matter of choosing and about choices. If you take away the choice, you've removed the moral environment. And that has the most devastating social consequences one can imagine, is taking away free choice. I've learned that in every single aspect of humanity. It's got to do with humanity. And this is another thing, too. I had, I had a little trouble with this at once, you know. I, 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 will, I will admit there's a lot of porn that would be considered offensive, disgusting, repulsive, gross. I mean, people pee and poo on each other, Robert. That's what's going on out there. But that does not connote immorality as such. You know, it's not immoral as long as it's it's consensual. It can be gross. It can be disgusting. And, of course, children, there's another category, are not of the age of consent, so they cannot consent at all. They They don't come into this equation. And... Basically, we can get into an issue of what constitutes consent, but that's another issue at all. So I guess the question is, is it the government's job to control or regulate personal morality at all? And I was thinking about that, and you know, isn't it interesting that any police department or enforcement agency that has a vice squad, you remember the vice squad, is usually engaged in arresting people for consensual behavior, which, which is what always, to me, even since I was a kid, I always wondered why we had something called a vice squad. I could understand dealing with crime and violence and things like that, but um, this is all justified by dubious arguments that associate cause and effect of certain behaviors and, uh, you know, and ideas, which is all that pornography really is in terms of what's out there. And so they associate all these with various social problems that have been with us since the beginning of recorded history. 
you know, we live in a world where every human problem is visible to everybody. Um, pornography on the Internet is the least affecting force. I mean, I think it's more of a reflection than, than, of society than an antecedent of what's going on. We see daily reports of wars, suicide bombings, injustices on the international scale unimaginable to any rational, personal system of morality. Our state education systems fill our kids with predictions of dooms, global warming apocalypses, even religious apocalypses. And to them, the future holds terrors that demand instant gratifications today. The future doesn't exist. That's all we're getting from these people. You know, get yours today. And it's, it's a separate issue from the porn issue. But I think that's part of the problem that they're trying to address by hitting the porn issue, you know. And... You know, there are even people today who value animals and dirt more than humanity itself. I mean, what does that tell you? And we're supposed to have respect for people? Come on. These are all choices. And, you know, in the porn industry, morality also plays a role. And that's one thing I found in those documentaries I saw. And we'll, we'll talk about them in some future show. And... Um, so we'll take a break now because we're going to wrap up the show. I know, Robert, you had some interesting conclusions. Um... If ever there was an example of the social acceptance of porn in the mainstream, and I won't deny it, I don't think I could possibly imagine uh, a better example than this bunch of people showing up <laughs> at, at an anti-porn conference. don't know if you ever saw the show. Ever see Win Ben Stein's Money? Oh, several times. Great uh, show. It's a game show, the only one I ever used to watch. And um, it, because of the humor and the way it was done, I, I think the show was more... A humorous thing. Jimmy Kimmel started on there. This is one with Nancy Pimentel. Turns out with uh, it was one of those special shows that they did from time to time where the contestants weren't just ordinary folk, but in this day they had three porn stars, Houston, Ron Jeremy, and Nicole Sheridan. And so let's listen in. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. <laughs> sometimes these are really, really boring, but sometimes they're really good. We can funk until the dawn, making love till cherry's gone. But before all that happens, I think I'll put $5,000 if I run my hand. Once again, give these three genuine porn stars a chance to take it all away from me if they're smart enough, quick enough, and lucky enough. And now it's sort of the boogie to my nights, Nancy Pimentel, and find out who these people are. the only adult entertainer on the show today. We have three very famous adult entertainers. Our first one is Houston. Hi, Houston. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You guys, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Houston, as you all probably know, has been in the uh, world-famous Stop My Ass is on Fire number three. But she is most famous for the world's biggest gangbang number three, a.k.a. the Houston 620. Houston 620? Uh, well, I actually had sex with uh, 620 people in one day. In one night? Wait a minute, you had sex with 620 men in one night? In one day, people, men people. and women. Oh! Wow, now what, 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 what would make you do that? Basically, I set the record and I wanted to hold the title and be the gangbang queen. In one day, you slept with the same amount of people I've slept with in my lifetime. That's so weird. 
That's pretty good. <laughs> that's very good. That's very good. Okay, Houston, good luck. Oh, I hate to answer this. Okay, never mind. Uh, I got hair He'll on my back. He'll just show us. You know? Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm hairy. Uh, That's right. They're kind of cute creatures. If you ever go to a zoo, forget it. Okay. <laughs> it's so weird. When you came on, I expected you to be standing way, way, way far away from the podium there. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, this will be our first hands-free ringer-in contestant. Nancy, have you ever worked with oh, Ron before today? Good one. <laughs> Nancy, well, have you ever worked with Ron before today? No. I've never worked with him. Okay. I've met him before. And okay. he is, uh, what, your latest, <laughs> I love this, your latest uh, credit, San Fernando Jones in the Temple of Poon. Look at Ben is saying, who writes this stuff? You know? Ben and I, I give you a two thumbs up. Way, way, way up. Yeah, it was also an E3, the extra testicle. <laughs> Forest pump, saving Ryan's privates. Don't you love those names? Oh, I love them. <laughs> the best in the whole entire world. Let's just do 22 minutes of porno names. Okay, Ron Jeremy, good luck. And next, you guys, Nicole Sheridan. And, uh, her... Did you really do a movie called Forrest Hump? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay, and, uh, her latest credit, Nasty Newcomers, spelled exactly the way you guys are thinking. <laughs> Look at Ben. Look at... <laughs> He's like an embarrassed little boy. I can't believe this is happening. Okay, wait, I just want to say one thing, too. Nicole has a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. Excellent, yes. Nicole. Okay. Somewhere, Nicole. Penn State, go Lions! Yeah. Okay. I, I thought uh, porn stars weren't supposed to shrink heads, but apparently... Oh, God. I you can have... Too. <laughs> All right, contestants, good luck. You're going to need everyone. Please turn your attention to our game board as Nancy tells us our first five topics. Okay, you guys, they are pornographic fairy tales other than Jack and Jill and Steve the Pizza Delivery Man. Well, that's funny, Bob. <laughs> that's pretty funny stuff. They talk about pushing the limits there. <laughs> yeah. well, let's just conclude with a, a few observations yeah. that I've had on the issue, I suppose. Um, notice the, in the internet that woman was saying that when you go on there and you type in porn you're subjected to a lot of different kinds of things but you know the internet also makes the cultures of other countries more accessible mainstream videos from europe or south america and asia treat sex completely differently that's a good point than we here in north america do to most of the world sex and the depiction of sex porn in popular culture and art is commonplace and acceptable Someone like Megan Walker would not survive over there, if you ask me. Pornography is not an issue for most of the world. In fact, I believe that pornography is not an issue for most of, most of us here in London or Canada or, or America. Anti-pornography, however, is an issue. It seems that whenever thousands, thousands of consenting adults gather in London for London's sex show that you brought up earlier or, or similar events across the country, there's a few malcontents who object to the choices others make 
and try to control them through bylaws or legislation designed to bring their sexual appetite more in line with the extremely small minority of people who consider sex and its depiction as somehow immoral. You know, I was in Punta Cana there a few months mm -hmm. ago, and the beach was basically topless. And uh, nobody batted an eye. I mean, I was topless. Nobody batted an eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were at the sex show, you would have had to wear little pasties or something. <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah. So with hundreds of hundreds of people. You can see this on TV, too. It's oh, just, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Now, you just consider the amount of people all over the world, from all walks of life. They purchase and they view porn every second of every day out there. There's somebody watching porn. It's a billions and billions of dollars industry, and there always seems to be that one person who considers what vast numbers of people are doing in the privacy of their own homes distasteful to the point that they feel they need to publicly try to humiliate them and legislatively stop them. Well, I think that it's up to you and I, Bob, to let people out there know that buying adult erotica, or pornography if you want to call it that, is just fine if that's what you like. In fact, if you view porn, you're doing what people, both male and female, have been doing since we learned how to draw on the walls of caves. In fact, one of the oldest human artifacts known is a sculpture of, guess what? You, a naked woman. Well, yeah, okay. I just thought you, there was a specific one I should know about. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a sculpture of a okay. naked woman. They found it not too long ago. I forget how old it is, 10,000 years or something. The argument that pornography and the depiction of consenting nudity or sex is abnormal or immoral is simply wrong, and perhaps even immoral itself. It can be dismissed easily. Uh, but we're still left with the anti-pornographers and their agenda. What do, what do we do with them? So what are, what are they going to try to tell us, that porn is wrong? They have to make up a lie to do so. And the lie that they made up is to tell us that porn leads to violence, that men who view porn are more likely to kill their wives and to rape strangers and run amok wreaking havoc on the streets. That's the image that they want to associate with porn, erroneously. You know, it's ironic because there was a time when being associated with porn was very dangerous, and that was when it was illegal. Yes. You know, and that was when it was, quote, underground. And every, you just, that any word underground. Yeah. Any prohibition uh, promotes crime, just like the drug prohibition. And, and legalizing things doesn't make crime go away, per se, in total, as some people might claim. But it, limin it eliminates the unnecessary people that you're prosecuting, right? Yes. You're exactly. always going to have the bad guys among you, and you just can't legislate the good guys to get rid of the bad guys. You have that in every industry yeah. anyway. Right. You know, every industry doesn't even have to be involved with sex or drugs. So this association, this false association with violence and sex in pornography is a lie, a big lie. But they say, the anti-pornographers say, but we have correlations and studies that show it to be true. Well, as we all know, Bob, a correlation does not necessarily demonstrate causality. And anybody can... Uh, falsify their studies and pick and choose the fact that literally billions of people men and women consume porn and the fact that we live in a relatively peaceful society should demonstrate the falseness of their claims well you know what's interesting those billions of people that consume porn without a problem are never the subject of a study 
That's right. Yes. <laughs> See, that's the problem. The only, and it's the same with the people that work on the front lines of abused people everywhere, whether it's a police officer or a social worker. They always see the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. And then they extrapolate that into society like it, the rest of society was like that. If the rest of society was like that, there wouldn't be a society. That's right. You know. <laughs> so let's do a documentary and a study on the people who have healthy attitudes towards sex. Yep, this linking of violence and sex is the most insidious and yet at the same time obvious tool of these anti-pornographers, I find. While it's true that there are genres of pornography that involve themes such as bondage or rough sex, the fact that these acts are consensual should remove any notion that violence is involved, involved at all. And that you brought it up earlier, Bob, they have absolutely no understanding that to be violent means that consent is not present. If consent is present, it's not violent. The same distinction between consenting violence and consenting uh, consensual physical force can be seen in a karate dojo. Few people find the blood and gore, as you mentioned before, Bob, the blood and gore of a boxing match objectionable because they know that the participants are adults acting consensually. They and know who, what they're getting into. And can stop if they want. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. Yeah. Why then? Do they get a safe word? <laughs> I don't know how that works. Yeah, it's called you're out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 10 count. Why then, when consenting adults participate in pornography, most of which does not offer more physical force than, say, a, an enthusiastic slap on the behind, do these anti-pornographers claim that violence is involved? Why are they lying? The answer is that it suits their goals to equate sex with violence. It suits their argument to falsely suggest that women in the pornographic industry are being abused or are being mistreated when the exact opposite is true. There are a few people, a few people in the anti-pornography coffee clutch. I won't call them a movement because uh, a coffee clutch is more appropriate to their numbers. There's so few. There are a few of these people who are writing books and trying to dominate the discussion and who hold conventions on the subject for their own personal goals. They're trying to sell books. They're trying to drum up business. They're asking governments for millions of dollars to be spent so they, as expert anti-pornographers, can become highly paid consultants to school boards and abused women clinics and various levels of government. They're in it for themselves. Well, it's a job creation program. (laughs) They can't be in it for the women for women because anti-pornographers are are actually doing more harm to women than good. One of the bromides that they usually spout is that pornography objectifies women for the sexual pleasure of men. Well, when the anti-pornographers get up on their soapboxes and tell women to cover up and stop degrading themselves, how do you think these women should feel? They're trying to shame them. They're trying to tell them that sex is bad and that their natural tendency to show off their good looks is evil and they cause men to kill and rape. What's this warped sense of life? What does it do to the minds of these young girls who might actually listen to them? It can only be damaging. Psychologically, it's degrading. It objectifies them. If there's absolutely no erotica tolerable, to the anti-pornographers, Bob. The natural conclusion to anti-pornography is clothing women in burqas. Perhaps that's why when uh, asked why they have not become critics of Islam and why countries like Saudi Arabia or Pakistan treat their women the way they do, they change the topic. 
Yeah, that was another interesting phenomenon. Really. I've actually heard Megan Walker yeah. on the radio being asked point blank about repeatedly uh, about that topic and she changes the topic she yeah. never addresses the issue of well, the treatment of women in these islamic societies well she addressed it by saying christian men beat their wives too that's a deflection yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it is precisely because the consequences of their anti-pornography campaign is the subjugation of women that's their goal they want to subjugate women they wish to control one half of the population by telling them that consuming porn turns them into rapists and killers, that's the men, and they wish to control the other half of the population by telling them that they should cover up their bodies lest they tempt the other half of the population to rape and kill. If we continue to give credence to these people, these minorities, we are aiding in their objectification of women and the objectification of men. Women will be objectified as sluts, and men will be objectified as potential rapists. It'll be easy for anyone to say that anti-pornographers are prudes or perhaps not good-looking, but not only is this a cheap shot, it's also probably incorrect. No, I think the anti-pornographers have a low self sense of life, and they have an unnatural view on the sexual appetites of their neighbors. They fail to see what most of the world understands, that consensual sex is good, and healthy, and that the depiction of nudity and sex is good and healthy and happily enjoyed by millions. The only reason television, radio stations, and the newspapers ask for the opinion of these anti-pornographers is that the media know this one thing, Bob, the public loves a good freak show. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they give her a call <laughs> every time there's you know, a sex show in town, because they want to they listen to her spout these bizarre views on sex. I think you're totally right. You know, I, I was, you asked the right question too. A good question to ask any group like that is, what erotica is tolerable to you? I was once invited to be on The Shirley Show, which was a CTV show. I never ended up on the show because they did a pre-interview with me and they didn't like my opinions. So they put me in the audience instead of being on the stage of the show I was invited to be on. And I wasn't allowed to speak till the end of the show and I was the last person on the show. I only heard this from some people who saw it in London. And I raised my hand, and I, I was listening to these people, this was before the internet, saying all kinds of things I knew were totally not true about the industry and porn. And I just got up and I said, I've heard what you're all opposed to. What kind of you know, erotica would you not be opposed to? Well, in two seconds flat, they all started arguing with each other. <laughs> it, it, it was just a zoo up there, and it was hilarious. And the credits started running, and the show was over when it should have begun. And that's just like our show today. We're going to have to get out of here right now, I'm afraid. So I hope you'll join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Be right here. See you next week. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be question prior to world war one when the company was forced to start building automobile engines bmw made engines for what other type of transportation nicole military vehicles no ron jeeps no houston planes very nice very nice new category please nancy i think there's a follow-up Oh, I'm sorry. I got so excited by my... my I, she doesn't remember me. I was number 412. <laughs> I said it, though.